Hello and welcome to episode two of season two of the Talking Toro podcast. I'm here as always with my co-host Peter Bourne um, and I'm going to hand straight back over to you Peter because Torino have played three games this season and I've probably seen the accumulative amount of about 40 minutes of football so um, are we going to win the league? Done all right without you mate, we've done all right without you haven't we? Yeah the strange thing is we've had Four points from six games. I was looking. Uh, I wasn't looking at the table earlier. The table found me. But yeah, to be, only be in ninth place with four points from six games seems uh, seems quite low. But yes, it's four, point, four points from two games. It's the, it's the weird way they did they do the weird Italian tables. Yeah, sorry, four points from two games. Four four, four points out of six. Sorry, I meant to say. But yeah, it's been one of those starts of the season where quite a few teams have. Um, swallowed up points and uh and and quite a few don't have very many but yeah i think the mood music is is probably a lot more positive than it was when we did our our pod one although there's still a few kind of question marks here and now in the transfer window but i think on the field um there's, there's kind of definitely some early observations we can make and in terms of the results i think four points from from two games and the progress in the Coppa Italia it's a, it's a it's a pretty solid start to the season yeah I think I think that's all you can hope for really it's that you don't want to start with a defeat if you think of last season we started with two consecutive defeats to begin the season and that still ended up being a promising campaign so we're already sort of four points ahead of of where we were at this stage last season um and like you say the way that the if you think the last time we recorded part it was just after the, the Vanietta Juric uh dispute and I think optimism was really low, but I think even quite quickly, I mean, I don't want to use the words um, fickle because that may be a little bit harsh, but football fans in general are quite fickle. I just think it just takes a couple of things that sort of turn into your favour and and even just things like the um, a couple of transfer signings, a couple of um, sort of impressive performances, uh, Radonjic, it's uh, been sort of he was a, a bit of a wildcard sign turned into a bit of a court hero already so I think things are, are definitely looking a bit positive I think just with maybe 10 or so days until the, the end of the transfer window if we can just maybe get a couple more sort of signings in, in areas that we really need then that's going to sort of cement us for, for a good sort of start to the campaign and again like we've mentioned it's going to be a bit of an unusual season with with the break for the World Cup. Yeah we've kind of want to talk about the transfer window first uh, from what you've seen I mean is in the conferences had quite funny when he was saying about Van in the first one you know he's, he's really like he's from Van Yatti after arguing cheek but um from what i can tell you is it's kind of requested more signings one being um let's say midfielder uh with a little bit more kind of muscle than than what we have in there um another trequartista or, or wide forward and then i'm not entirely sure on the third one whether it is going to be a maybe another forward option um or a another defender especially if Itzo leaves, but he did state that he's happy with the goalkeepers and the wing-backs, which um, maybe not everyone's in agreement with. Uh, and then obviously there's players to shift out. Um, Itzo, maybe what, seemingly one of the ones which may be, who, may be a bit easier to clear. Um, and then there's Zaza Verdi, 
Edera still. Um, one of the things I found really funny is like, is, is Jacopo Segre left or not? Because uh, watching the, I'm sure he joined Palermo two days before we played Monza, and um, and then suddenly he's coming on. I don't know if we've managed to clone him or what the hell's going on there. And then this weekend, I'm I could be convinced he went to Palermo in the middle of last week, and he was there again on the bench against Lazio. And then uh-huh. finally, yes, yesterday I saw a video of him arriving in Palermo. So um, yeah. We've, we can't seem to we can't seem to shake off Jacopo Segre. I'm not convinced maybe, he's gone. Maybe they made him walk and swim, and it's just taken him this. It, like that's how long it took him. He'd only got to Monza by the time uh, he was making his way down there, and they're just like, "Oh, we might as well just bring you on." Then um, I, I think it's it, the weird one for me is just the fact that how like even even Adopo who played he played the game and started the game against Monza will probably never play another game for Torino. Uh, probably get loaned out and and just also how that maybe shows to that you I don't even really really know what that sort of shows that you'd rather play a more experienced player so even though a more experienced player out of position than a youngster you could easily just bought a centre back from the Primavera who that is his position but being only 18, 19 I think there was a, um, a English um lad on, on the bench I think maybe spent a lot of the time in Spain I, I think he's probably more of a left back but you would be more willing to play somebody who's only played in the sort of third division 22 than risk a sort of 17 18 year old who's playing in their natural position in that centre back and that probably says a lot for sort of just Italian football's attitudes towards younger players that they'd actually put and even putting on Segre as well playing putting a player who you are actively trying to sell but just because and isn't his position but just because he's a little bit older just seeing oh, okay yeah I'd rather play you than than a kid or a youngster um and yeah I just think that just sort of sort of sums up the distrust of you don't very very in very very rare situations especially with Torino have we ever thrown sort of like a an 18 year old or a 17 year old into a game even even a sort of low risk game like the first game of the season, at least you've got plenty you've got thirty seven more games to, to fix it if the if disastrous things happen. Um but yeah, it yeah. was again not seeing the game, it seems like it seems like they did quite well as well, actually, as a as a makeshift centre back. Yeah, I mean if it's kind of talking a little bit about the games, I thought the Monza game, a little bit of a slow burner, but gradually just Torino's togetherness, Monza looked like quite a new team. Um and they, yeah, they didn't look look fairly disjointed, and they, uh, I thought at best they looked kind of lower top half Serie B in terms of standard. And I think once Torino kicked into gear, once we got the goal, um, it was a lot more comfortable than, well, certainly a lot more comfortable than two one. And then on the break, we should have, um, we could quite easily have have ended up winning three or four nil. Um, and there were yeah, there were signs. Radonjic played really well. Um, it seems kind of a bit of a microcosm of his career, the two games we've had in that. Um, he kind of absolutely dominated the Monza game. Um, his finishing is very wayward, to say the least. He's a little bit, as I said before, maybe opposite to Brecolo in the sense that um, Bre- Brecolo was always quite a tidy finisher, but I didn't necessarily feel he imposed himself on games massively, whereas Radonjic is, is very different. He's Um, Moranchuk obviously only lasted 45 minutes which um, 
yeah, was was a bit of a shame, and we may not have him for another few weeks. Um, but yeah, generally, I don't think the defense was was too tested in that first game, um, and yeah, said so that definitely deserved to win, and, and kind of some very encouraging signs, especially with the team, you know, team being fairly makeshift. And another thing we've not talked about is the um, situation with Lukic as well, because Lukic, twenty four hours before that game. As you know, there was some very kind of um, uh, let's say inaccurate reports that he'd had a fight with Juric, which uh, I guess I guess is a default mode when something doesn't go uh, doesn't go well at, at Torino at the moment. But yeah, it's, it seems he's changed his agent um, during the summer, and then they chose twenty four hours before the start of the season to shake the cage about a new contract. So. Yeah, without I had a I had a bit of a strange feeling in the morning of the game that it might not go very well with all of that, but it was relatively comfortable and then um Lukic has seemingly well, I don't think the situation has been resolved, but at least uh, he's been integrated back into back into the fold and we'll see in the next few weeks. I, I think it's only fair to maybe close the transfer window and then get the contract sorted, but um there are yeah, there are rumours that he could be one of the players to, to, to leave as well, but would be a shame. But yeah, I think uh, it's, it's a very strange one because obviously Luke is a player who in sort of, I didn't realise until I think Yuri said it in a press conference, he's been there for six years. Um, but that, which which seemed incredible, but obviously he was a, a, a bit part player and he did go out on loan to uh, Levante, I think it was. Um, but yeah, for, for a player who's actually been no problem at all to just suddenly sort of, Go on, effectively strike is a, is a bit is a bit strange. Um, Stupid, then, very stu- yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It is, a, but but also you don't. I, I like again. I think it's very difficult to um, don't want to ostracize a player again because very very good chance that he'll be back in. He'll <laughs> be he'll score a winner in the derby or something. We'll, we'll all love him again, and he signed a new contract. But it's very we we don't know how bad the contract offer that he was. I I, I my. My gut feeling is probably that they've they've asked for a contract, they've sent him a contract offer, and it's almost been sort of derisory, a bit a bit insulting of what the offer is. Now that doesn't excuse the the outcome or the behaviour of going strike, especially as the club captain. But I think until you full fully realise the full picture, again, it might just be more of a if he's on sort of say. I, th- I think I looked up and he's actually one of our biggest earning players on about twenty five thousand a week net. Um, which isn't huge sums for uh, a club captain of a sort of mid-table Serie A side. So you can sort of understand that if then the contract offer was to to be like, a couple of thousand more, then you, you 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 could see why you'd be insulted by it, a bit a bit annoyed by it. But again, like you say, we've got a transfer window open. The coach has been very clear about how we need to sort positions and our players aren't being sort of reinforced where we need them. Just wait for that to close, and then. But I suppose that's the thing. If he, I suppose he had to act quickly because if he did want to leave, then he would then have to wait until after the World Cup, and that's the risky thing as well. I think he's put himself in a dangerous situation because he's a starter for Serbia. Um, if if Juric doesn't sort of fancy him now, from then he's probably going to lose his place in the Serbia side as well. Yeah, so I also suspect that maybe the contract just wasn't. The contract had been promised and wasn't very forthcoming. And uh, with the kind of uh, promotion to captaincy, uh, yeah, I, I think they're probably probably expecting that to be to be reflected. But, I, I, but again, go, just go on to just another sort of Italian sort of footballism. 
um, I say promotion to captaincy. Captaincy in Italian football does seem to just be who's been there the longest. Like I'm sure you and I have both worked in enough offices and enough jobs to realise that that sort of <laughs> the amount of time in a role doesn't mean you make you any better than somebody else. So the, I just think they are sort of bouncing the captaincy around. Just that I suppose Rodriguez is there for the experience that he's had, and he's probably been a captain before. But if I think if it wasn't if it wasn't Lukic, I don't think there was really any other sort of viable candidate for somebody who's been at the club for more than two or three seasons. So Zaza would probably be up there. Well, there was talk of Bongiorno being another one, but that might have been a bit premature, and he's not also not a guaranteed starter. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a little bit one of those, um, yeah, who's left in the room kind of thing. But, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it has been a shame because he's always is not someone who's conducted himself like that before, and I think he would have been nice to have seen him. Uh, seen him as captain and he talks quite well when he does talk I mean I mean Belotti was fairly monosyllabic when he did get anything out of him um so I just think yeah it's a kind of shame for him that at best he'll probably get the captain back part way through the season when there's been some kind of rehabilitation yeah I think um, and I think the, the promising thing is actually it seems to have been sort of dealt with relatively quickly I do feel like he sort of put his tail between his legs and come back to apologize even on the day of the game it was his it was his birthday I think maybe he just went to this birthday off uh but it was his birthday Torino sent out a message of like happy birthday on, on Instagram and and again I do sound like I'm obsessed with Instagram but uh Lucas did add it to a story which again if you're annoyed with your employer you, you're not going to sort of I don't think you would do that in a way if you were sort of if it's totally sort of there was no way of sort of coming back together again. So I do think, it, I also don't think we would, aside we sort of 10 days to the window, we're going to be able to afford what we want to, what we want to sell him for is he is sort of a 15, 20 million euro player. Um, I think, I think the realistic outcome will be that the transfer window will close. We sort of have our apologies and, and he will, at some stage, maybe in a couple of weeks, once people have forgotten about it, maybe in an international break, he was on a new contract. I agreed. And looking at the Lazio game, obviously he came back and played played around the last 10 minutes of that match. I know you didn't see it. Uh, Lazio game was a bit of one... Of two, I thought Torino shaded the first half. Um, definitely more composed on the ball. Uh, Lazio looked... Yeah, didn't look anything special. Second half was a bit the reverse for Lazio gained a bit of momentum, had one or two half chances. Uh, Immobile did not get his injury time penalty. In fact, he was, he was relatively quiet. I think nil-nil was a very fair result and I think on reflection, it wasn't the best game. And it was one of those games that reminded me a little bit of last season in that Torino looked good without threatening, which didn't happen too often in home matches. And it cut, you know, with Moranchuk being out, Radonjic was... I was saying well, a little bit earlier about the microcosm, microcosm of his career in, in against slightly better defenders. He was, um, yeah, it, it was a little bit, yeah, a little bit less space. And he, looked, he didn't look as effective, but also I think this Torino team at the moment is built, a, you know, needs to have a, a, a few more kind of options in attack. So um, the onus is not necessarily on him. Vlasic looked a little bit Piazza-esque, um, which I think is, is, you know, he's finding his feet and um, kind of kind of finding his role. He, he worked very hard, but um, wasn't too did, didn't bring too much spark into the game. Um, so yeah, it just it does make me wonder whether in attack, um, 
there's the two players who are kind of linked. There's a big movement, at least from the fan base, to try and bring Dennis Pryat back. Um, he obviously, when he did play last season, uh, with him on the pitch, we did very well in terms of points per game. Um, obviously missed quite a lot of the season through injury. And then the other one is the still talk of Orsolini at Bologna. I think in both of those cases, they are players who who lack pace. Um, uh, but we do know what Pryat brings. There, is, there has been talk yesterday of both Pryat and Pobega coming back, which... Yeah, I saw, the, ha- I saw yeah, the Pobega one, which some, seemed to be... Some continuity. Yeah, the Pobega one seems very strange. I think he just signed a new contract at, at Milan as well. So it, you could only see that being a, a loan again with no option to buy, which which Juric wasn't happy with it in the first place. But I suppose, I mean, if the option's there, I think it would be it would be stupid not to take it, even if it... Even if you agree a, a very expensive uh, purchase option and a buyback, I think I think he is a a very good player um, and really does sum that role up. And he can play a bit further forward. I think he he's got that goal scoring instinct which Richie definitely doesn't have. I think Lukic, there's always a goal in in Lukic, but I think Richie's more of a of a playmaker playmaker a bit more dictates the play. Um, I think Pavega. Again, I think that's a very, very long shot. But prior, I, I, I can see that happening towards the end of the window. Leicester seem to have had a bit of a strange um, transfer window where I don't think they've got much money, but there are rumours that a number of their players are sort of possibly close to a move. But that doesn't seem to make prior in favour either. Um, so I can imagine if they can sort of find a club, find a buyer for him and, and maybe sign a few players themselves once once they've got some money then that that is potentially an option um i think in terms of uh, again a little bit I've, i think one thing that might be interesting might mean we won't get a, another sentiment here would be linetti uh starting the first two games and first two league games and playing relatively well i think there was talk that Juric was sort of satisfied with that performance and not only the way he was playing but also the fact that he didn't really throw the toys out the pram when he wasn't playing and, and that might potentially mean that he'll stay in the squad and then you've got your your four centre midfielders being Richie, Lukic, Ilkan and, and Linetti. Um Linetti's probably not phys- maybe not the most physical um player. It's, it's a bit chunkier but maybe not yeah I think I, 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 I think Linetti does look a bit fitter. Um this season it's all relative. I think his performances have been been steady in the first two games he's he's I think Linetti's probably at his best when he's given a bit of license to to break forward um which is a role he had at Sampdoria um Ilkan is going to be a bit of an unknown I I do think we're we're going to need a fifth body in there going back to Pabega I don't know if Milan have had a look at him in the summer and think there's a player they can make money off but it's not necessarily a player who they see fitting their system or maybe having the quality um, uh, to, to kind of play at the at the Champions League level they're at at the moment, so it may and they are looking at bringing in some more central midfielders. So it might be, it might be that there's one or two assets that they're looking to sell, and he's someone they're willing to sacrifice. But yeah, whether Torino are willing to spend the the, the kind the kind of money they'll be talking about, we'll we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, clearly we we let Maggiore go. We didn't. We seem to be quite close to him, and let and he's since gone on to to, to Salernitana. So obviously, it might be 
there might have been something there with Pabago all of the time that you know, we'll, that this fifth position will will be decided late in the window and when you kind of start seeing who's really available. Um, but it's just maybe look at some of the trends of the first two matches. Um, VMS in goal. Um, it's a change man. Yeah, he's a change man. He, he does look a little bit more concentrated. He, I thought he played well against Lazio. He commanded his box. He didn't spill anything. He 30, didn't have a hell, yeah, 30 seconds a away from uh, two, con- two consecutive clean sheets. Yeah, it I mean, wasn't Monza, for the, the late Monza goal, which I think he probably has got to take some of the responsibility for. Well, I think Lazzaro fell asleep on the cross and then there was it was one of those ones a few defenders could have dealt with. It was a slight miscommunication. It was a, it was a yeah, it was, I think a few different people responsible, but uh, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't entirely blameless on that one. But Juric seems, at the very least, seems seems happy with him. It seems he has room for growth and maybe for improvement, whereas with Berisha, the, I think the feeling is that what you see is what you're going to get and you're going to get a goalkeeper that one in every four games is 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 not is going to do something um, and, slightly unpredictable and we do we have been very critical of um van on on the podcast and i think it has been rightfully so in, in some situations but i think that his high point is definitely his sort of ability with his feet and the way he can play out from the back and that is a skill which is really more important now in modern football and I think Juric is a coach who probably would embrace that and, and I think even just on some of the highlights that I saw uh, for the, from the Lazio game a lot of our sort of starting starting the plays is uh, Milinkovic Savage playing the ball into into the fence and starting movements like that because we're not a mass we're not a very tall team so play, taking sort of long goal kicks isn't really going to work I mean when you've got Belotti as an option up front in the past that could have worked he's got the physical Ability to win flick-ons, but but Sanabria is not going to win too many flick-ons. Well, what, Richie's what not Bel- going to win too many flick-ons. No, what what Bellotti was great at was get, winning free kicks in those positions, though, because the, I think the early Bellotti had more pace and would would zip away from people and pull out wide, whereas the Bellotti the last seasons, I think he just invariably got three at the time, got us up the pitch, and I don't see as having that. Is a, a a link up man, and ideal in many ways for the Eurich system, but I just don't think in. Uh, I, I I think in certain moments of other games where we can't play the Eurich system, and um, we have to be, we have to have a bit more of a physical presence, and um, and also have to have to take have to take chances. I just think he's he's a little bit less reliable, quite at that level. Um, I, I would personally never see him come in. Um, not it's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, but the other few, the other few things, Linetti's of the defense seemingly carried on a little bit from from last season. Um, I was going to say uh, iPod Ziner, um has been been very good, and I think when he doesn't try and um, overextend himself or showboat a little bit, then uh, he looks, again, another one who looks very concentrated, very switched on. Um, looks happy to be, I guess, when you're playing, you look happy to be there, but uh, he's obviously playing as well because Voivoda's not really been fit, but he's, well, he's been a lot better than Singo. Singo come back and 
I think by and large was the worst worst player against Lazio. I think he's. Um, I think the sorry to interrupt there, but honestly, I think since last year of his contract, so whether he has just thought like his best way is just to have one one more year in Italy, um, enjoy himself, apply himself, and then if he does really well, then he's, he's got a chance of a of a move either back to England or or even if one of the sort of European clubs in Italy take a, take a look at him and think actually as a, as a free transfer he's worth it worth a go but the potential has always been there I think the fr- frustration with with us especially is obviously uh, on the place for Nigeria but was born in England so we sort of have a affinity to him as sort of English uh, Torino fans as well I think the frustration has always been how good he was on that first year when he was on loan and and the fact that he doesn't really show that he at the time of whether he, whether he was happy or whether he didn't want to be there, whether he, he was a bit homesick, and I think it's more frustration. I don't think I think his attributes as a as a sort of modern fullback where he can play either sides, he's play on the left or play on the right. He's quick in a team, and something we do need in a in a team with um, sort of pace isn't one of our strong points. And I mean, I'm surprised when he had his loan spell at um, Fulham. He, he actually played in the back three, and that was one option I thought that um, Juric could have gone for for Monza and, and played him on the right side of the centre-back, uh, right side of the centre-back and whether he just didn't trust him enough. Because with Lazaro coming in, you then have the option of a, of a natural wing-back as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think Juric is, he's won back Juric's trust this season. So I can see him playing quite, uh, quite a few games. And I think actually we've got that depth now. We've got four... High quality, high quality might be a bit uh, stretching it, but we've got four good wing backs. We've got Lazaro, we've got Voivade, you've got Aina, you've got uh, Singo. Um, I'd imagine Baye will go out on loan to maybe a Serie B side before the end of the window. Um, and yeah, I think I, I think you're actually right. That's probably one area where we're we're okay for the moment. We talk about Armando because it's so it it it's one that I find really interesting because. Uh, the start, I'd say, of the last three seasons has been frozen out. It's the yeah. Giampaolo and Juric have taken a look at him and said, no, not for me. Uh, Juric knew him from Genoa. Um, and all three I think he seasons, played with him at Genoa. He played with him as well, yeah. And then at the back end of all three seasons, so, uh, yes, it was the back end of the two seasons, sorry. Uh, so Nicola under Nicola. Uh, Giampaolo slowly brought him in and then he was a key part of, I guess, when Nicola came in. And then last season as well, Juric didn't really see him until like March or April. And then he came in and did and did a decent job. And there's kind of two schools of thought on, on each. So one is that he's a kind of bit of an Instagrammer, bit of a, oh, look at me, I'm at the training centre on my holidays. Um, uh, you know, a little bit kind of, there's a, there's a little bit of kind of posing posing there and actually he's was a bit of a liability in this in in those kind of seasons where we were shipping goals and I don't know you know there's also must be reasons why we've we've tried to get him out at the beginning of of the seasons and then there's another school of thought was actually when he comes in he uh, he's, he's very often done a good job and especially those early seasons and under Matt Zari was a very good player it's just yeah I find it find it a bit of a curious one I guess now he's probably on a high wage and Juric is trying to ask the young team but it's a curious one for me the kind of Ito journey at Torino yeah I I, I agree I really like I like it so I, I would not I would have no sort of issue if he stayed with the club 
I think the he definitely has his um, sort of inconsistencies that he can sort of switch off. He can go on um, sort of just wanderbouts and lose position. And I think he, like if he's got a look of a sort of physical um, player, but can sort of make the most out of certain tackles and, and situations when he's when he's fouled. Uh, his story is fascinating. I think it was he. I think he lost his father at a really young age, uh, so he became sort of like the the man of the house at sort of fourteen, fifteen when he was in Napoli's academy, in the sort of grown up in sort of nearly poverty, um, and he couldn't really afford uh, football boots. I think it was actually Walter Mazzari who uh, called him up to a, a Retiro once and um, like sort of state of it to those boots and actually paid for him to go and get a new pair of boots, which again, is probably a more human side of Automatsari than we've heard before as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's very difficult once you've been sort of, and I think he has had issues and I think he did receive a, um, a ban for match fixing at one stage as well, or maybe it was, it was just an alleged uh, ban for match fixing. But once you've sort of struggled so much and then you reach sort of, maybe not the peak, but you become a professional footballer, I suppose, it's very difficult then to sort of go on and you've achieved what you wanted to do. You're, you're a professional footballer. You can look after your family and maybe just a little bit contented. And I think from Torino's aspect, he's not, it's probably what fifth or sixth choice centre-back do you want? He's probably fifth or sixth choice centre-back, but he's probably on the biggest wage. So it would make sense to get him off the wage bill if he's not going to be a regular but I don't think he's I don't think he, if he's one of his players if he came, ever back, came back to Torino he wouldn't be sort of thought of um, in a negative way even when he was, wasn't playing similar to Lanetti, he was never wanted to sort of make a first he just sort of put his head down and, and, and tried to, to work harder um, but yeah I, I, I find it strange that he's unfancy especially by Juric who, who knows him very well and I think even the way he talks about him I don't think he talks about him in a sort of uh, derogatory fa- fashion. I think it's maybe it's a conversation that they've had behind the scenes. It's like we we appreciate what you can do for the team, but at this current time, you're not really who we want to to fit into the squad. We're going for younger players, and obviously, younger players means sort of cheaper players as well. And if they're not going to be a starter, then you can't really justify the the wage. Which I think he's he's probably one of our top five earners. Um, yeah, obviously is be some new defenders coming in so that so that the um our new Dutch signing from my ex Rob is to test your pronunciation how, how do you say his name it's Pierre Shears should we listen should we listen to the professional now let's let's go for it hello fans Pierre Schuurs here I'm really happy to be here sempre forza toro Pierre Schuurs <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Not, not sure I'm going to get any marks for my um, my Dutch uh, my Dutch uh, knowledge or, or pronunciations. It's not actually the first time that I've been embarrassed with my lack of uh, Dutch, actually, because I did on a very rare non-Torino uh, football holiday. I did go to Rotterdam a few years ago because I wanted to again very geeky. But Fabian knows anything about Dutch football. Sparta Rotterdam's um, stadium is is called the Castle. Um, and the front of the stadium, funnily enough, looks like a castle. Um, so it's a stadium I'd always wanted to go to. So I, I headed to um, I headed to Rotterdam, and I go to went to a game. But obviously during the I think during the week or weekend that I was there, I went to the stadium tour, met somebody from the stadium tour who was also from Coventry but lived in Holland. I was like, well, what's the chance of this? So I went for a drink and um, went to a bar, 
and obviously he'd been in Holland for about 30 years so he spoke fluent Dutch so he's every time he ordered the drink or the, the round of drinks he was ordering Dutch whereas when I was ordering a round of drinks I was ordering English and the barman got like almost offended the fact that and again excuse me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure 92 around 92 percent of the population of Holland um speak fluent English or speak English but he seemed he could not get his head around that he could speak Dutch and I could only speak English so I didn't know uh, you were mate I didn't know you were mates with Steve McLaren yes well I was next time he gets a job you'll see me popping up as his assistant manager I'll be holding the umbrella um but yeah it's um yeah maybe Dutch isn't my strong point but I'm I'm sure I'm sure Per will forgive me do you know um so he's the first Dutch, he's the fourth Dutch player we've had. First, I think the first in my Torino supporting lifetime. Oh. Um, yeah, because the last, uh, Wim Kift would have been mid-80s. Uh, but there's a, a little anecdote I shared with yesterday. So under another pod, um, I don't know if anyone listens to this, listens to the Under the Cosh podcast. But they had People a, only, they only listen to one podcast, Peter, it's this one. That's they true. only got room, they've only got room in their lives for one hour, one hour two hours a week. I don't want to point. I don't. Know, I, don't I don't want to distract people away to other podcasts. But there was the Under the Cosh podcast did one with a referee called Kevin Lynch, who was the um, linesman when Torino played Ajax in the '92 UEFA Cup final. And uh, there's about five ten minute section on that podcast on his trip to Turin, which was pretty interesting. Nothing kind of stuff I'd expect to hear. Um, about the Torino under Borsano and Moji, but um, yeah, en- entertaining fair if you if you if you get to listen to that. So it's, it would probably be the first transfer between the two clubs. I'm not sure, if, especially well, obviously in our uh, in my time of supporting between obviously Torino and Ajax have got that sort of link of the UEFA Cup final in '92, but I don't think of any even non-Dutch players or whether we sold any players. Although Lorenzo Luca has actually gone to. Lorenzo Luca right. was in the Torino Academy has, has gone to Ajax, although I think primarily he might have been signed for their youth team. Yeah, you, it's yeah, it's not um it's not a usual path, is it, Ajax to Torino? So no, yeah, definitely. T- two it's massive European clubs. Yeah. What do you think of um I know you like your kits, what do you think of this Torino third kit? We've not talked about that. Uh it when when it was uh and when it was announced, I'd, funny enough, I'd seen a tweet from AFC Wimbledon, who's I think a way or, or third kit is basically just the same colour as their their home kit. It was like just a darker blue, and I was just like, well, and I think it's their away kit. And I was like, Torino basically just done the same thing here because it is a it's like a maroon it's a maroon kit. I just don't understand when they can. There's no well, real, there's no reason for them to wear it, I suppose, because if they couldn't if they couldn't wear their away kit they'd probably be able to wear the home kit so just it, I, I do like it like I probably wouldn't buy it but it, I, I do like it it's a bit different I'd say something controversial I, I, I don't think Torino ever wear those third kits I don't think they ever need to wear the third yeah. kit I think generally if you look at the those last 15 20 years when we've had kind of some very random third kits I'd say they've barely one or two outings a season and in most occasions we could have worn one of the other two kits so I think what they've done is gone for like an urban rebrand of the home kit. And they, put, and say, they, they did a bit of a, they did a like a publicisation of, of like younger people in the city of Turin making it look cool. It was actually a, a rare piece of goods PR, I thought, from Torino when they were publicising it. Yeah, they didn't just dump the shirts on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, on the pitch, yeah, like they usually do. Yeah, they, they actually spent, 
They spent a little bit of in money Philadelphia. There. Yeah, and five, I feel like uh, they probably it was probably school holidays, and they just got some students to like. They gave them like thirty euro. It was like, I'll wear this shirt. But I would say something controversial. I think for one season only, I could put up with it being the home kit. Oh, um, I did say that before. I saw the shorts. Uh, oh no, the socks. Um, but yeah, I just I just think maybe for one season. If if it someone promised it be for one season, I could yeah. live with it. But I could I could well I suppose I mean controversial thing would be if um, I suppose you couldn't do it as a home shirt. But obviously, if an anniversary came towards the sort of Torinese years with the sort of I know you like the whole city uh, orange and orange and black. Whether whether they said, oh, we're going to do this for a, a full season, we're going to wear the home shirt, it's going to be a tribute to the Torinese old old colours. Um, I'm not sure how, that, how well that would go down. I think nah, that would, only, I wouldn't that, say, that could I, only go down to the third shirt. I wouldn't say I like the whole city kit. I would say, I said, I think I probably said I wish I'd bought it. But uh, I think that's, I think yeah. that means the same thing to me. There you go. But anyway, um, so yeah, we've got a couple, I guess we've got a couple of games coming up. Um, I think I've, well, the intention is to get back into the weekly pods anyway, but looking at the next three games is Cremonese away, Atalanta away, which means three of the first four games are away. And then we've got a home match against Lecce, which feels to me like a Monday night defeat. But um, maybe but, I just remember that. I remember that match when we could have gone top a few yeah, seasons. And that was, that, was my, that was a Monday night and it was my birthday. Okay. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, what a, what a great day this is for for my birthday. Like Lecce at home is probably one of the games you would, all due respect, if you were going to pick a game to go top of the table for, that would be one of them. Um, and yeah, our season never never recovered from that. No. But yeah, Cremonese away first. So they've, uh, their stadium has been, um, had some renovation work. So they've played two away games. Incredibly unlucky to lose at Fiorentina. 3-2 with Radu basically punching one into his own net. And then a narrow defeat Yesterday at Roma, by all accounts, they, they played very well. They look like they've uh, a little bit the opposite to Monza in that they've retained the kind of core of uh, their philosophy from Serie B and their, and, and, and their team. It looks but, like some of the players they've signed haven't been the sort of big names that maybe Monza have gone for, but maybe sort of under the radar players who are young have got something to prove where I think uh, Monza went for sort of a lot of, sort of established Italian Inj- sort of... Inj- injury prone Italian players. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is true. But they went like very Berlusconi and Galliani esque. They went for players who they'd heard of. Whereas I think Cremonese, quite interesting actually. I don't know too much about sort of their sort of scouting network, but they've signed, I, I did I looked yesterday. The two starting centre backs were both from Aust- from the Austrian league. They got Cyril Dessers, who was one of the top scorers in the Europa Le- in the Europa Conference League. Uh, last season and obviously he was playing against Roma again up front and I believe played quite well um, so yeah I think they will be a tougher test than Monza which I think if at the start of the season you would have you would have thought that Monza would have been the tougher test and, and Cremonese might be a little bit easier but especially with their first home game back in front of their own fans I think probably again no uh, apologies to any Monza fans out there but I think Cremonese may be a bit more historical um Sort of a football inside, a passionate fan, more passionate fan base. Um, so yeah, I think it. I think it'd be a difficult game. I think if I think even a point might be might be something we'd take right now. 
Yeah, I think this is the homecoming match. Um, so that's, like you said, probably not ideal. Um, it is one of those grounds where we used to take a big away following. It's, it's actually one of the way matches I would have loved to have gone to this season. It just it's come a bit early in the season for me. But um, we, took, we took a, a lot, not a lot of fans to Monza as well. I suppose yeah. being so close as well, it's just and a ground we haven't be, haven't played at for, for such a long time. So I think we'll probably take some similar numbers. Yeah, I think Torino's away following is always pretty decent because we have fairly sizable supporter bases in a lot of regions in Italy as well. Um, yeah, obviously the, the home crowd is something we might want to get onto. It might be a bit early in the season because the season ticket campaign is still is still running, but season ticket sales have been have been slow and are just I think it's for a while now. Yeah, the home crowds haven't been what they should have been, and I don't think the pandemic helped because I think a lot of you know a lot of people haven't come back to the stadium since the pandemic. Maybe got too used to watching it on. Um, on streaming packages and that kind of thing, but yeah, it could 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 be something we get onto. But I think there'll be a I think there'll be a decent following away from home, and I think as a Torino supporter, it's probably maybe getting a better atmosphere. Um, going to away games at the moment as well, but it's um yeah. Do you think anyone will come in before? Do you think Bellotti's going to resign by, by well, Saturday evening? I, we laugh at this, but like, this does make it does make me sound a bit. A bit crazy, but I can see the. I can see it happening. There you go. I, I can see it happening. I, like I just think the nearer and nearer. Uh, so, so Roma. For for those people who may not be aware, I think the what everybody expects to happen is that Roma are trying to sell uh, or clear a number of players from their squads that they can afford to buy uh, Bellotti, uh, or, or just afford his wages really because he's a free agent. Um, but in the last week, Roma have suffered injuries to Zaniolo, who went off injured yesterday. I'm not sure how serious that's going to be. And also to uh, Wijnaldum, who is out probably until the end of the year. So they probably need to spend whatever budget they have from selling these players on players to replace those players, especially if Zaniolo's out for a while. And they've got a first-choice striker in Tammy Abraham. So if the option becomes where that avenue for, for Bellotti isn't open anymore, um, he he's said, expressed that he doesn't want to go, well, I don't think he wants to go abroad. There was a lot of talk about Galatasaray, which now that avenue seems to be closed because I think they're signing um, Maxi Lopez, his old friend, Mario Riccardi. Um I did get a text from my brother whilst I was on holiday to say that um, Italian sources were saying Southampton were interested in Andrea Bellotti, but uh, I oh that, god! I, <laughs> I think that would that may like that may just push me out over the edge. I think that would be that would be terrible for everybody else because I'd still be happy and still have still have Bellotti and my Southampton home shirt, and everybody else would, would still sort of not be too fond of uh, the way. I'd, I'd, at least I'd be able to find out. I'd get to his, I'd probably be able to find a way to go to his house then. Um, but oh, this, this, this the, is, stock, the, the restraining you, you order might. You need help, my friend. Yeah, the Australian order might be be in place then. But I think um, I think I think there might be some Portsmouth uh, supporting Torino fans who wouldn't be wouldn't be so happy. Yeah, no, that 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 may be the the last straw. Although, I mean, we did take Lianco off off our hands, so I think I think we deserve some some praise for that. He hasn't. I don't think he's played a minute so far this season. I think he has been injured. I know he he came. He did came on. He came on against Leicester. 
it did it did leak the uh I saw Le- yeah, Instagram managed yeah. to leak the Southampton third kit. Yeah, which was, which is which isn't a great shirt either. Uh, on brand yeah. on Bra- Lianco, still on brand He's, Yeah, uh, it's better on Instagram than it is on the pitch. Um yeah. but to be fair though, yeah, well again, turning into a Southampton podcast this, so we are gonna get the pot, the Portsmouth there listed <laughs> switching up. But well, Port, uh, Portsmouth Portsmouth have got the mighty veil this weekend. So oh. separate separate discussion. But all right, I'm gonna give you Torino going to sign three players by the end of the window. Who are they going to be? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. I'm going to go for uh, the centre-back from Gardens. So I think that's Isaac Kien. Who from, um, yeah, our Swedish friend Joel. Uh, so, sounds like he could be a decent player. but Yeah, he's, he's um, played for their rivals. Yeah, he's very he's he's fan. quite closely linked with Verona as well. So I think... Um, but as I saw a quote from him. I'm not sure if it was true, but it was sort of being a, uh, a little bit concerned about the reputation of Verona fans. Again, I did see that on Twitter. It could literally have been a, a made-up quote, but um, I, I think that's a possibility. I know they're in the Europa, one of the Europa competitions, and they might just be waiting for them to qualify for that. I think they're in quite a good position to make the group stages. I think as a um, probably prefer to, to sort of get his side into group stage, makes, makes them a lot of money. Um before sort of committing to Torino. So I can see that happening. That does seem to be a um, a rumour that's been around for a long time. Uh, it seems an interesting player as well, because I think he's played up front for them as well. Um, which, again, if we don't get the striker, maybe maybe something for us to happen. Um, so I'll go for... I'll go for the second player as being Dennis Pratt. Um, he... I just... They would, again... Do sound I'm more obsessed with Instagram than I'm with Bellotti, but he, he did like a um, post that uh, somebody posted underneath the Urban Cairo photo to say basically come to Torino. He liked it, so that definitely means must be fun. happening, Rob. Must be yeah, happening, definitely happening. Um, and then striker, I I can see the possibility of the Bellotti thing, but I'm not going to go, mate. Let it as, go. As, as a betting man, as a betting man, I'm not going to put any money on it. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for maybe Modu Barrow. Okay. Are you three? Yeah. May even nice. be... You've just seen if Omar Sadiq's still available, haven't you? So. Not for the twenty million. <laughs> Sorry, Musa Barrow. Musa Barrow is the um is the Bologna one. Maybe he must be the one who's played for Swansea. Um so yeah, Musa Barrow. Um I just can see I think that's what we're maybe missing in that sort of a striker role. We've got uh Pellegri as the target man, we've got Sanabu as maybe a bit of an all rounder. I think a bit of pace. Uh, and an option, and you could you could you could use Barrow as uh, a trade artista as well. You could use him on the wings. Um, whether whether Bologna want sort of one of the players who we don't want, so maybe a Zaza or a Verdi. Um, I would I'd feel a lot more. I, I don't feel comfortable where we could be in a situation that Pellegrini with his injury record breaks down, and we're left with Sanabria who. Has been a, has been a good player for us, but he's inconsistent and can have, go for spells where he won't score. So you need to have, especially when you've got five substitutes in a game, you're always really going to look at swapping your striker in that game. So, um, yeah, I would I would feel comfortable with a striker, and I, I, I 
wouldn't be maybe wouldn't be my first choice, but I think it's a realistic option. Maybe maybe Barrow. Right. I'll How about you? That. Yeah, I I think a midfielder will come in because that's been specifically requested. So I, I don't know. I, there's talk of Diawara from Roma, but with their kind of injury, various injury things happening, that that might not happen. So I'm gonna go Pobega. I think I oh. think I think Pobega. Um, I think a defender will come in. There was talk yesterday of um, Andreas Stana from Brescia, 25-year-old. Uh, I do think uh, there's no kind of real evidence for this. But I just I just feel that there's a lack of Italians in the in the Torino team, and I think I think it wouldn't be, especially with with two or three players set to leave. We'd probably be left with three really kind of first-team Italian players. So maybe to bring in bring in a couple wouldn't as I said there's no kind of evidence uh rhyme or reason why not but I just think maybe having having a bit more of an Italian backbone um maybe a good thing um I'll stuff for a bit bit more bit more stability in a in a way especially with a lot of the overseas players were signing on these kind of on these relatively short-term deals so they may be two two coming in and then yeah I'd love to see a striker um, but also think maybe it'll end up being four players, but because I think I think they'll have a go at Priot, and it could be one of those ones on deadline day where we end end up with him or end up with nothing. Uh, in terms of the strike, I've just seen so few links that I wonder if Vanyati, if he does go that way, we we'll we'll pull out something that we don't expect. There's still talk of of Dobic if we can ship out Sec, um, because there's a limit on non EU players. And he hasn't gone anywhere as well, so let's see. Um, I, th- I think, um, I th- like I say, pulling a rabbit, Vanetti pulling a rabbit, rabbit out of the hat could that could happen if you think it, it at this point last season we'd not signed Prayet, we'd not signed Brecolo, and we'd not signed Brecolo, we'd not seen Pabago, I don't think, or maybe Pabago just signed. So, yeah, Pabago started that trickle of late signing because we've been linked with him for a while and it took a while to get over the line, and then Prayet and Breckelow almost on, almost on deadline day. I'm just, uh, just double checking, somebody who I've just, I'm going to put out there as a wild card, so that if this happens, then we can listen back to this and be like, oh my god, what an unbelievable shout that was by Rob. And if it doesn't happen, we'll just, I'll just edit it out. Right. Um, Shane, Shane, Shane Long is not happening. Right? Shane Long's at Reading, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Um, I'm just, just thinking of a player who would maybe fit the ilk of, um, not wanted by their club. High-profile name, um, and something to prove needs to play regularly before a World Cup. Any idea with those clues? I don't know. I'm not gonna like it. I don't think. Do you not think? I don't know. Michi Bashiwai. Yeah, wages again. It's, it's so a lot Chelsea, these... Chelsea are just yeah. throwing money at players now. They're just they're just they're just paying for to let us um, to let us have him on loan for the season. But I just checked fourteen goals in thirty-three games for Besiktas last season. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the three or four signings will be. Well, I still think they'll just be this kind of either a star quality or something we don't expect. Um, so it's it's quite hard to call. But I think to bring in the forward, we've got to yeah, we've got to be shipping out Itzo Zaza and and Verdi as but, well. Yeah, so. Verdi. 
I think is the, the main one. The weird one for me is that it seems that Selena Tana aren't interested in him, which which is wow. uh, strange given how what how much of an impact he had on um, them staying up. Although ultimately it was down to to Cagliari. Well, it's also relatively. Did he have an impact, or was he quite good in two or three games? Yeah, I, I didn't see enough of Salerno. He certainly influenced uh, two or three matches, from what I could tell. But, um, but yeah, I guess by uh, next week's pod, we should know a little bit more. But well, I guess we'll close out with uh, the trip to is it the Zini Stadium? Forget. Um, what's your yeah? What, what you've already said you'll you'll take a draw in. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a draw right now. I think it, it's going to be difficult with. They obviously seem to have been very unlucky to to lose both their opening games in front of their home fans for the first time. I think I think I'd take a point right now. Um, so I'll go for I'll go for a one-one. Maybe maybe they'll take the lead and we'll equalise. Similar to the uh, Venezia game last season, which was quite a difficult one, and we, I think we were quite lucky to actually. I think we took the lead in that one. Um, so yeah, maybe it will be the the opposite. Um, but yeah, and I then th- and then we've got yeah we've got we've got a midweek game on the on the Thursday as well. So it's going to be um, yeah a little bit of time to well got got an opportunity to sort of make some points back. I I think Torino will win two 0 Oh, I think um, I think it, it kind of completely contradict what we said earlier on on face value. Then first match at home, um, probably be a big crowd, to be a lot of excitement. But that if we can keep it, if we can keep it tight for the first half an hour and curb the enthusiasm a little bit, then and if they're proactive and progressive, if they play for the three points, then I think we can maybe pick them off on the break two 0 Yeah, that that is very true. They could be yeah. two. Could be too up for it, too open, uh, and yeah, I think Torino now have progressed from maybe last season where we wouldn't take those chances. I think now we've got players who can sort of capitalise on the on those counter attacking opportunities, and I think I think I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd be overjoyed with a with a victory either, but I don't think I'd be too disappointed with a draw just because I think at the start of the season continues the unbeaten stage, uh, unbeaten start to the season, and again, I mean. I'm, a win, we could be we could be top of the table. I'll go for a Lukic goal as well. There you go. Do you think he'll start? I don't know if he'll start, but I think I think uh, I think it'll be a Serbian double. Oh, Radonjic and uh, I'm guessing that's Radonjic and Lukic. You don't think uh, Milinkovic Savic is going to have a free yeah. kick? I think VMS is with a new penalty taker. Well, uh, <laughs> again, do you know when we, at the first episode we did do crazy shouts? Had we known about Lukic? That could have been the shout. If we got a penalty in the first two games, does VMS step up for it? That's what, Rodriguez pay, has taken penalties for Switzerland, but missed it, very, missed one very in the, badly. In the Euros. He's, he's taken some. He's, Rodriguez takes the most telegraph uh, penalties you'll ever see, I, I, unless did, he, unless he hits them true. Uh, yeah, I did see on the highlights of the um, of the Lazio game, Radonjic uh, taking corners from the left hand side, so in swinging with his right foot was actually. Relatively competent. So have we have we at last found a corner? To, the corner well, that's because that's because although he played very well, Rodriguez got binned off the corners because his corners were absolutely <laughs> pro. It's like he ran out of energy uh, by the time he got up the pitch to take the corner. Uh, he so. yeah, he does resemble. Um, yeah, it's, it is a bit it is a bit strange because he's not actually as old as I think he is. I think I'm not even sure he's thirty yet, but. His, his legs do seem to have, have gone beneath him. He, he very, uh, there was a photo maybe in the summer of him with uh, Roger Federer. It does remind me of Roger Federer a little bit. Just does everything in his own time. 
<laughs> that's very, that's very true. But anyway, we'll be back. As I said, we'll we'll try and get back with some um some feature stuff in the next couple the heroes and villains. And as I said, we'll try and get um one or two of the international Toro fans on for for some interviews across the season as well. So it won't just be listening to our um dull tones for another thirty. What is it? Six weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be a break we, for the World we, Cup. We're supposed to be selling the World Cup here, Peter. Not, <laughs> not, not, not putting people off. But I'm, if, to, if, listen, if, I'm if, to listen to us for an hour for 36 weeks. Is... If if someone's got this far, they love us, Rob. Yeah, this, this, is, this, this is very true. And, and again, maybe... Or they've we'll, fallen asleep and waking back up. Maybe we'll do World Cup specials. Maybe we'll do World Cup specials and focus just on the Torino players involved in the World Cup. Just if, if you mess us that much. That'd be, that'd be a short one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, give me a call when uh, Belotti re-signs and... We'll for, see for Torino or for Southampton? Oh, yeah. For, 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 I think for Torino. <laughs> Forza Toro. Forza Toro.